morning. This is uh, Faith Over Breakfast from the amazing space here at Exo Coffee up in the loft. I'm here with Eric. Uh, we've just had a discussion about judgment and change. Uh, it was terrible. And it was uh, the worst. And yeah, mostly it, Andy's fault. And it, things need to change around here. Yeah, they did. That's basically <laughs> no. Actually, we're I replacing think, Eric. I think <laughs> it's. I think it's very good. It was really good. I thought. So uh, yeah, judgment comes first, then a couple of little, uh, a little, uh, you know, housekeeping things in the middle, and then yeah. we get into change. And yeah. we hope you enjoy it. And uh, we'd love to hear feedback at uh, faithoverbreakfast at gmail Any questions you have or thoughts? Oh yeah, or just rate talk us. To us. You need to rate us. Rating us. Would Has be anybody great. rated us? I don't no. know. Nobody Come on, people, us. rate us. You did. I did rate us. Yeah. Andy hasn't rated us. <laughs> no. Come on, Andy. <laughs> I know. Anyway. All right. Uh, enjoy. <laughs> Welcome to Faith Over Breakfast. This is Eric Seepin of The Village, and I've got Andy doing some hashtag Faith Over Breakfast pictures. Andy is pastor of Mission Church, <laughs> and we're at the top of the Exo Loft. We're back from the hospital. Back from the hospital. And, uh, yeah, we're, this is nice. I'm drinking some really good tea, which I've had to convert to. I'm yeah. looking enviously at your tortado or however you say those things. You've changed, Eric. You didn't used to drink tea. I have yes. changed a lot. When circumstances prevent present <laughs> themselves, you begin to change. That may or may not be a lead-in to lead in some to of what our... we're going to talk about. Man. Yeah. Well, I just wanted to give a shout-out to Mark Crawford because he uh, was catching up on the... Um, podcast and mm-hmm. he said that we buried the lead when it came to the Hillsong thing. We buried the what? The lead as he said. Oh. And, I, and he said the big issue on this Hillsong thing and we're just going to do a short thing on Hillsong and move okay. on was that he thought you a church coming in and doing a public forum um, without really going and speaking to the pastors of the community and asking what's really needed and how can we come in to to help seems a little bit disingenuous Hmm. Hmm. and that not really saying hey we're part of the body of christ i guess i got to throw out there that the truth is maybe they did that with some people our our churches um don't dominate the landscape oh come on (laughs) this podcast i noticed had 57 (laughs) average listeners that's pretty much the whole yeah our worship our worship uh podcast is now up to 130 listens wow uh we we are taking just this podcast is taking tucson by storm uh man watch out yeah Uh, there's so I only mean, a few more people left to be I mean, reached. between our two churches, we are over 250 people probably. Yeah, wow. So That's a good point. Yeah, we're... Hillsong really should have talked to us. Should have, yeah. at least. Well, for those of you listening in Japan, uh, Hillsong is a, is a church that you know about. You yes, know. you know about Hillsong. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm at Mission Church in Tucson, and Eric's at the Village in Tucson. And our churches are... Uh, we love them. We great really churches. Them. Anyway, Mark was just trying to make a point. I thought... I like when people interact with me on the things. Okay. Anyway, thanks to Exo Coffee. My sandwich is delicious. My cortado is delicious. Eric's tea is delicious. And uh, here goes. So, Eric, you um, 
you brought up this thing on you you want to talk about change right and I talked about being judgmental in the text message this is what we do yeah um, and uh, so I figured we should start with change so that then I can be judgmental so you can judge how yeah. we talk about it and we can just like let that play out live on the on the microphone well I actually you can be judgmental about this I wouldn't mind starting out talking about being judgmental and kind of getting a little bit and of your change. and then change that <laughs> right and getting a little bit of your perspective because I think that is one of the things that we need to change in our lives is the way we judge people and the way we assess them and how we understand so like for instance I was watching last night uh, with my son a sitcom that what is the name of it? It's the guy from King of Queens is in it. Hmm. Uh, Kevin James? Yeah, Kevin James. Mm-hmm. But anyway, and, and... I can't believe I knew that. Good I job, I don't know anything about TV. Yeah. I seriously well, don't. Kevin James is in it, and the woman who was his wife in King of Queens is also in it, is now his partner. I have no idea who So she anyway, is. she's sitting at a bar with this other guy, and she says, to him, like, they're actually connecting with each other, and he's sort of like the person that... Everybody dumps on, and kind of he's a lesser person, and there's a lot of self-deprecating humor. Mm-hmm. And she said to him, as they're kind of connecting, well, I just kind of realized that I'm, I'm not better than you. <laughs> I used to think I was better than you. And he said, no, no, you really are better than me. And she said, okay, well, just a little bit, not <laughs> a lot. And, I, and, and I, I think it's interesting, you know... Whenever we walk into it, and we said this on the podcast, you walk into an environment, you judge where you fit. And you judge where you fit based on, like, physical appearance, your sense of, you know, knowledge, what what's yeah. valuable within that social context. How would you not... How would you not do something like that? Yeah, that's the question. How do you not... And I don't know... I don't know that you shouldn't at all... But you got to be really careful. I mean, we were. Well, let's. Okay, well, but I can either think I'm a better pastor than you. Than you are. Or not. Well, I mean, that just a little bit, but not a lot. Yeah. Like, just a tiny bit. Sure. Yeah. No, but like, with the, they, like it, there's that black and white kind of binary way of understanding value. Can I just say? That statement you just made makes our podcast so hip relevant. Like, talking about being black and white and binary, man. I know. All the cool podcasts are saying stuff like that. They are saying that. You know, a liturgist. And That's such a liturgist thing. It is a liturgist thing. Yeah. Anyway. Well, I don't want to be black and white about podcasts. I mean, they're not... This isn't... It's not binary. But... Oh, yeah. Unless you're talking about bad Christian and the liturgist. That's black and white, right? You just don't know which one's black and which one's white. Right. That's the trouble. <laughs> that is the trouble. Now. Um... Actually, they're kind of the same they at really this point. Are. It's just one of them is nice and thoughtful, and the other is irreverent crass and, and irreverent. Yeah. But they're saying the same. Thing. They really are saying the same thing. Yeah, and I'm, I haven't really been listening to either one. Like, I haven't listened to the liturgist in probably six months. Yeah, I think somewhere in there it just kind of blended in. Um, just like our podcast. Yeah, hey, look, our podcast is better no, we're, than theirs. It is. We differentiate ourselves. <laughs> yeah, you got to judge podcasts and categorize. Oh man, it's black or white. But no, but so we go. Yes, yeah, so you're asking how how can we not do that? 
Well, maybe. I mean... What were you thinking when you were talking about judgment? So, a bunch of things, but... What, what jogged me on this was... Excuse me. I'm chewing this uh, delicious, savory sandwich, which is now gone. And it was great. Yeah. Um, what jogged me on it was a social media post that I saw that alarmed me. It, like, shocked me. Um... And essentially, it was kind of a meme about how you know, the elder George Bush is in the hospital. Yeah. And it was um, it was essentially like kind of like screw you, you deserve to die um, for all the things that you did. Um, and I, I just was thinking, I was like. Oh my gosh! Like I can't believe somebody's saying this. Like, yeah, no, that's, that's just really coming out horrible. and saying like you deserve to die. Yeah. Um. And it, it just alarmed me. Like I'm not used to seeing that, but I've been thinking and noticing that I feel like our culture is getting far more judgmental than it's ever been. Like you, I'm just it's polarized and like the hatred and disdain for each other from both sides um, of like politics and both sides of you could say spirituality and um, I've just noticed a heightening and this and this was just an alarmingly strong I mean judgment you should you deserve to die um, hmm. and then I, I mentioned something in our sermon last week that uh, have you seen the movie Coco? No, uh, well, I saw little bits of it in the hospital because it was playing. Yeah. Um, Coco and Trolls both have this interesting moment where the terrible person um, dies a horrible death really quickly and subtly, and everybody celebrates. Huh. <laughs> it's just this quick little scene, and it's like a hooray, you know. But it's like, oh, they just died a horrible death. And I thought, man, this is creeping into, like, like even our cultural, like, our kids' movies. Um bad people get what they deserve and we all celebrate and it's and that's not reflected on it's not worked out it's just this quick when you really unpack it if you were to slow that down that moment down and think about what's happening like wow we we love judgment i feel i was thinking like we we celebrate judgment yes um despite the fact that i think very few people would say that because because Simultaneously, I mean, I don't know how many times I've heard the, the phrase, like, don't judge me in the past, you know, three years. Yes. Which, which inhibits uh, forgiveness. Because to forgive someone, yeah. you have to give up your right to judge someone. Right. Yeah. Or there has to be a legitimate judgment that could be, that is then relinquished. Yes. Say, right? Yeah. Like, without a legitimate judgment, there is no forgiveness. Right. Yeah. So anyway, that's that's what I just saw that post and I went, man, like it's just been on my mind and I thought, I wonder what you think of that if you've noticed. Well, no, I think our culture, I think the the left and the right militant um, factions have come out and they've right. given a voice and they're the same. They're violent. They're mean. 
they just have a different belief system. Right. But they do hold to the same belief system that power is yeah. what we need to overthrow. Because, you know, because we're right. And this, there's only one way that's right. Yeah. And, and I, I think so culturally we're that way. Um, I mean, I, and I don't, I mean, I don't mean to capitalize on a cultural moment too much here, but I mean, the fact that like this first, you know, White House dinner is happening between what some would consider like a far right and a far left world leader who seem to be working together more closely than anybody expected today, right now it's happening. Um, it's interesting it, because it's like those two ideologies sort of sort of function in a similar way. Yeah. Anyway, we'll see how the dinner goes. Yeah, the, see how the dinner the goes. The brunch or lunch or whatever it is. <laughs> I don't even know how those things work. I think I think it's uh, a lot of money is spent to court somebody to get you know get them to keep working with you. I don't know. Right. Well, I don't even know what you're talking about across the table with those. I mean, when you're that powerful and that much. Well, they're serving jambalaya, so somebody's going to fart. Yeah, <laughs> that's going to happen there. That's interesting. I mean, just nobody's brought that up on public radio. So no, they haven't. They're going to bring that up. There's going to be some Farting gas, and gas and on the dance gas floor. Gas on the dance floor. Oh, man. <laughs> well, this has gone downhill, but... I, judgment. Judgment. No, but I think that's it's important because actually, like, I think your capacity change has a lot to do with the way you understand people. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think people's... Like, usually we're judging because people believe something different than us and they're adamantly putting that out there. Yeah. They've made choices that are harmful to us or harmful to other people. Right. So there's that kind of judgment. But then there's, like, sort of the worldly idea that, like, okay, this is what beautiful is, this is what smart is, this is what important is, where do I fit on that scale, and then, you know, am I better than you? And then I can feel kind of confident. So, like, you know, my church is bigger than yours well then I got some things I feel or I have more recognition or if I you know I don't know oh there's so many there's, a there's whole... so many layers to it I mean I you know I would assume like I would assume this happens among friends and family members like sure. you find that thing that you are better at more competent at than other people and, and and when you look at other people and see how they aren't as organized as you or happy as you or whatever like it's easy to like then it's kind of like the old middle school bully mentality yeah. where it's like oh see there's evidence that I'm okay because I'm better than you right. in this in this area and then if you sort of cast a little bit of judgment their way it, it sort of feeds your I don't know sense of worth that's a sad way to sense worth but I I know I do it. Yeah, I mean, I think part of being able to change and part of not being, able, not judging, like, comes obviously through the cross, and it comes through me saying, well, like, Jesus doesn't have a hierarchy. We all end up at the foot of the cross, and Andy, yeah. no matter what his flaws are, has good things to offer me, and I'm not looking for the places where he's flawed and that's a bad impact on me. Like, some of that's painful for me, and I... I I can deal with that, but I'm looking for where God's image is going to shine through him and what he has to offer me. I don't, 
he doesn't have to be more successful or less successful. He doesn't have to have, you know, whatever the value system I want to ascribe to at the time. Yeah. Like, I have to look for what you have to offer. And when you do hurt me, I have to look for the story behind that. Like, what brings you to the place where you might make an offhand comment or you might talk about me behind my back or whatever. Like, what brings you to that um, so that I can be like, okay, that was hurtful, but there's a reason that you did this. And, yeah. Getting behind, like, what... what was that about? Yeah. Where's that coming from? And I yeah. might have to confront you, but it's not like, Andy, you were wrong and you need to pay the price for that. It's Andy, like that hurt. And what was going on there that you would say something like that to me? Like, yeah. Did I? And then usually it comes out that, well, either you, you know, you had an argument with your wife, you know, somebody hit you in traffic on the way here. Or a couple of weeks ago, I said something to you that was hurtful and you're just mulling it over and you, you don't know how to deal with it. Like, there's a story behind it that makes oh, yeah. things, you know, even when it comes to people who are abusive. Yeah. They have a story. A story brought them there. Yeah. You know, even if it's just that their mom used drugs while they were in the womb and their brain screwed up and they don't know how to handle that. Yeah. And they're just trying to grab hold of life. Yeah. Figure it out. And it, maybe they're violent because of that. Maybe they don't have any impulse control. And, and Or that's just the only way you feel in control of anything is when everything is in subjection to you. Right. Yeah. And, the, and, and that doesn't, you know, make it okay, but it, but it helps. When you can understand, that's like the empathy piece, right? When you yeah. can attempt to understand where somebody's coming from, then instead of looking at them and saying, like, I'm better than you, going like, wow, I think if I'd been through what you've been through... Um, I, maybe I would do that too, right. and and then and then not you know considering uh, yourself better than them. You right. know, there's in their Bible verse about that. Like, yeah. Don't consider you know yourself better right. than other people. Um, yeah, when you see if I if I'd had the same life experiences you had, right. I'd be right there in the same boat or worse. Um, and it's something I am. Like that thing is saying I am in the worst. You know, like yeah. I, I, I have. Yeah, let's let's switch categories, and I'm way worse than you. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, and I, I just am like when I think about how to relate to people, and I, don't, I mean, I wrestle this all the time, but I do hold as you know the John thirteen kind of that and fourteen when we talk about the Holy Spirit, but like that's the model, the washing of the feet. Hmm. The, mm-hmm. the, but the complexity of that, mm-hmm. like he's watching people's feet who are abandoning him, who are going to yeah. betray him, and then he turns around on that and says, "Look, like the way that you're going to know the world's going to know me is the way that you guys actually love each other." Yeah. Well, he's talking about people who abandon him, who are going to abandon each other, who are going to argue and fight about how to do this church thing, and he's saying, "No, no, this in the midst of that, you got to love each other." Yeah. For people to know, because it won't. That's the only way this makes sense. Yep. And, and I think, you know. So how do you, how do you think we, I, I mean, I like what you're saying there. And I don't think that Jesus necessarily intended that we wouldn't ever disagree or oh, sure. have, have our differences, right? So often what we've done with that, I mean, if you're the classic pastor's kid, like that means you have to get along in public and act right, like it's right, all okay. Right. And um, I know that's not what you're saying. Mm-mm. So how do we, you know, when, when we're talking about, like, in the midst of all of that mess, loving right. each other, um, what do you think that would, 
I'm going to give a couple examples of how people would see that and see that as different uh, outside of us just acting like we're all good. Right. Now, you're going to give some examples of that? No, oh, you... Oh, I thought I, you... I, I was I'm wondering to, if you... I thought you, you were... Back, I'm like... <laughs> I'm like, okay, so... Shoot. Give me six levels, <laughs> Eddie. <laughs> I mean, I could, but I was curious what, you know, what well, you would say. Well, I think that, like, a big part of it is when you realize... At least, I don't know, when I look at the church as a community and... And you see a bunch of people who are able to sit with each other, even when they say mean things, when they betray each other, yeah. and fight it out. Who are willing to sit in awkwardness? Who yeah. are willing to sit in places where, like, I really, like, internally, my emotional experience of you is I don't like you. Yeah. But my spiritual soul, the thing that where Jesus resides, like, he's calling me to love you. And so I'm going to live in that like I think part of it is saying like emotionally I'm not going to be driven by my emotions I'm going to be driven by obedience to Christ and obedience to Christ is brutal because it means that I can say to you like well last podcast and you're kind of like out there I don't even know what you're talking about I was in that podcast and man that was bad and you can be you can either be like well well, did you listen to yourself because you were like off you know or you can be like okay you know, Eric has been really kind to me most of the time. Like yeah. there's and and this hurts. And this is how Jesus feels felt when when I betray him, when the people around him betrayed him, like he suffered for this. So in some ways I'm connected to that, yeah. to the suffering of Christ, simply by some mean comments by Eric that connects me to that. And then I can step out of that and say, you know, okay. What, what's going on with you, Eric? Like, because this is not about me anymore. It's not a value. I'm not. You're not looking at me to say, Andy, you're okay. Yeah. Right. Right. Because I, if you were doing that, I just gave you a very distorted mirror, which is, Andy, you're not okay. Right. Um, and so, once you can step out of Jesus saying you're okay, then you can be like, okay, this is just about Eric. What's going on with him? Why would he say this to me? Yeah. You know, I think like the hard part of trying to connect to Jesus' suffering is you don't. It's practice. It's, it's a discipline. It's not something where you're like, oh, I'm going to connect to Jesus suffering now. <laughs> I've oh. decided. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, it's a it's an internal discipline yeah. of practice. Yeah. Like, you feel the anger welling up, and you're like, okay, Jesus, like, I'm really upset at Eric. I know you felt this way. I know you feel that way right now. You're hurting that Eric would be so mean to me. And, you know? Yeah. And on behalf of so many others, you're yes. feeling it. Yeah. Right. Hmm. And yeah. I think that, like, trying to practice that it slows you down yeah it feels a little lonely Mm, yeah because I think we have to slow ourselves down and in the suffering to listen to the voice of God and most of us are not familiar with the voice of God I'm not like you have to listen very carefully in your suffering to hear God's voice yeah I don't know that's where I'm at right now and I think he goes through yeah I mean I want Jesus' compassion for other people yeah yeah that's a practice too oh yeah yeah and there's and there's um, and, and you know knowing Jesus' compassion I mean he's I'm always struck by you know by Peter and his like return and pursuit of Peter after the betrayal right and um, and just how much 
how much he must have you know, loved Peter. But it's like, but yeah, you know, when when somebody's utterly, utterly betrayed me, it's so easy to be like, forget you. you yeah. yeah. But then to go, Jesus, you, you like went and pursued him and um, and reconciled that, and then and then to realize I'm Peter. Yeah. Like all the time. Yeah. And that's what you're doing with me. That's the only reason I'm still here. That's the only reason I'm still in the faith. Right. Um, and then, okay, can so could I offer that? Right. Since I am Peter and you have given me so much. And, yeah. Um, yeah, that's good. Speaking, speaking of which, yeah. I want to... I wanna, for some reason, take a little second here in the middle. Okay. So last week you were dealing with a lot because your daughter had just yeah, yeah. been in surgery. Um, how is she? She's doing great. She's walking around and she's um, she can get herself in and out of bed now. And awesome. Yeah, she's yeah she's doing better. I mean, it's still a she's still on pain pills. Yeah. But she's weaning off the Valium and. You know, she should be off all of it by the end of the week. Yeah. Except for maybe some Tylenol here and there. Yeah. So. That's great. Yeah, it's just mostly rehab for the yeah. next two weeks for sure. And then the next three months is she can't lift more than five pounds. And it's really hard for her to wash her hands hmm. because she can't bend, bend over. over. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. That was a surprising thing when I hurt my back was how hard it was to wash my hands. I could, uh, surgery would be worse. <laughs> yeah. I'm imagining that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I think she's doing she's doing good. I think we did the podcast Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah. That, those were Tuesday and Wednesday were hard days. Yeah. Hard days to be a dad. Hard days to be somebody in surgery. Yeah. Recovery. But. Wow. And then you had a birthday. I did. I was forty six. How was your birthday? No. No. <laughs> It wasn't really, I mean, it was a lovely birthday. A lot of people over the last week or so have been really kind and, you know, wished me happy birthday, gave me things, but I didn't have any parties. <coughs> no uh, parties, huh? Outside of just doing something with my family. At some point, birthday parties, for some of us, become yeah. a little less of a thing. I don't know. Like, I, I have this thing. I, I like to throw myself birthday parties, so okay. my 40th birthday... I did a concert, Whoa. just invited a bunch of people, and my wife and I sang and talked about the songs we wrote. So you performed, performed. on your own birthday. Yeah, and then on my 35th birthday, I threw this birthday party, and I asked everyone to get me like the weirdest thing that they could possibly <laughs> think of that they really enjoy. Like they, uh-huh. this little, you know... So, people brought me extremely obscure CDs that they enjoyed, weird books that they'd yeah. read, you know, some strange candy that they liked. Ooh, it was the coolest birthday that ever. Sounds, that I, sounds really cool. And then, like, this is just who I am. Like, I, there was about 30 people there. I made them all go around and just tell me why they liked me. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm one of those kind of guys. You went for it. Yeah, well. That's awesome. <laughs> That's great. You know, maybe I'm a little bit of an ego. Yeah. A little bit of a... 
you're a church planner. I mean, don't my you ego stroked a little bit. Is there bit. always a little bit of that? Oh, there's got to be a lot to stand up in front of people. Right. I always tease my wife. I'm like, she always talks about not, you know, not wanting attention. I'm like, if you didn't want attention, you would not be playing music. No. Right. You know, you wouldn't be doing art. Yeah. Like, part of it is you want people to look at you and look at the things that you do and, and appreciate them. And I think we, we feel guilty for that. But there's, mm-hmm. like, I've struggled with that with this whole book thing. It's like, is it, it's weird to be, like, telling people I'm doing it. It's weird to be putting it out there. But then it's like, I think about, like, isn't doesn't every author of a book do this? Doesn't yes. every business owner do this? Doesn't every singer do this? An artist? And if nobody had ever put their thing out there to be seen, none of this would ever have been done and right, seen. Right. And all this creativity doesn't. So it can't be utterly bad. No, um, but there's a guilt that comes with it. There is a guilt. There's a real guilt. Self promotion. It's and and I think because because we don't understand like and I, I don't understand, but there's like a level of it that's not wrong. It's okay. Mm-hmm. It's good. It's it's like an image bearer of God. Yeah, to offer something that you've been created to offer. Yeah, but it can be spoiled, and we're so used to like decrying that version right. of it. Yeah. Well, we can become addicted to the to the, the the attention and the praise and the yeah like you know and then we open ourselves up for criticism right and yeah and that's been a I've, I've been thinking about that one that's yeah and critique and yeah but you do that you know every time you get up to you preach do. you really right do. or you do public speaking I felt all the same things when we were about to start the church and that was something I reflected on when I was trying to decide should I do this was like I felt all these fears and it was definitely like God was calling me to move into something I was afraid of at that time you know and so that could be happening again right you know, right you gotta and then you gotta explore that ask what is this about yeah um in other news I talked to Brian who is our old host buddy yeah yeah on a Facebook I saw that. chat that was good so Brian's Brian's doing well he's across the world um but but yeah just if anybody's you know if anybody's wondering he's he's doing his thing he was talking to me at two in the morning so nothing's changed he's always been staying up all night stuff like that so and then uh we have a an instagram now oh yeah i saw that yeah so i don't know i figured faith over breakfast yeah 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 at faith over breakfast all right yeah yeah but uh, I kept getting notifications from Facebook that we weren't engaging with people enough. And I yeah. thought maybe if we took little pictures when we got together here you know, we, and posted in both places, we would do a better job with that. So yeah. Yeah, there's all that. So diving back in, um, I just, for some reason I thought we should get all that out there. I don't even remember. What were we talking about? Oh, we were talking well, we about- went with the judgment. And then I wanna, now I want to move into the change. Okay. So you, you had... Um, yeah, you'd write up like how people how people change. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a question because when you face an addiction, right? Yeah. You and you want to change. You want to stop drinking. Yeah. You want to stop. You know. You want to go exercise. You want to stop being your anxiety, or you don't want to be bound by guilt, or you don't want to be judgmental. Yeah. Right. But you feel like you can't change. Yeah. Right. You just can't do it. Yeah. You're stuck. You're stuck. Yeah. You can't forgive somebody. Like, yeah. they just hurt you so bad, and you can't forgive them. Yeah. How do you do that? 
how do you begin the process of change? Yeah. I mean, this is a thing that pastors deal with all the time. This is what we deal with all the time. Yeah, and if I were giving my, this is just my off-the-top answer, which I would, I would say you know, comes from my experiences too, is like, I would say receiving from God or others things you don't deserve is a powerful piece to change. change. Um, and so like, and so often, you know, what I want to do to myself is I want to like change so that I don't, so bad things don't happen to me. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, bad things. Like I should eat better because I otherwise will get sick. Right. Um, and that, Hey, that's, that's there. That's a motive. Um, but it's like when, but if I think about like, God's given me, he's given me my family, he's given me people, he's given me these good things, I have something to live for, that somehow, like, even just that, like, I've been given a gift, I want to enjoy it, I want to, um, yeah, like, that, that, it's, it's cast in a positive light, but I don't want to just say it's positivity, like, I think that's, that's something like a motivation of grace, like, it's, like I have been given a good thing, and it's and my heart is warmed um, by that, and that I've I've seen that motive create far more change than than the guilt motive or the fear motive or sure. anything like that. That's off the top. Yeah. And you've. I think about this because you've been you've been at church planning three times as long as me. Yeah. And you've been in ministry since I was in 16. Yeah. So 30 years. Yeah. Which is wild. I've been at it since I was 18. Which is 17 years. 17, 17 years is a long time, too. <laughs> Interesting. Anyway. Um, but, uh, but yeah, like when you've, so when you on that, on that whole journey, I'm sure you've longed to see change in yourself and others. Yeah. And, but then I'm sure you have actually watched some of it over the over the long yeah. haul. What's been? Yeah, what have you learned? Well, I I think one of the things I've been thinking about recently is that the only way that you and I have peace in life is if we have hope. Yeah, right? yeah. And and the gospel really is the grace of Christ, which leads to peace which offers hope. Yeah. Right? And you can move them around in different orders, but other than grace. I mean, grace is the initial... But if there is no hope... There is no you, peace. And and you hear some positivity message that you just don't... You're just like, thanks, but I don't believe that. Like, there's... That couldn't actually be, right? Yeah. So Without my, hope, it's all hollow. My thing has been, of recent, is how do I articulate for myself and others... Mm-hmm what this hope is in a way that we can experience it in a tangible way because I think yeah. one there's the hope of the resurrection yeah. which is beautiful and powerful yeah. and that hope is caught up also in the fact that Jesus took the keys of death yeah. like death no longer holds rule over me and it's a beautiful theological yeah. picture yeah. but it's not always tangible no it's right in the here and now Oh, someday there's eternal life, I hope. Yes. 
but so um, so what is so the, what is that? But what does that do for the fact that my kid hates me? Right. What does that do when I feel so anxious that all I need I can do is drink? Yeah. Or I feel so caught up in all the things that I just don't see any possible difference yeah. that would be helpful. Like, what do I do? How do I deal with that? And I think that's a big... For me, and I think, again, it's I struggle with this, but for me, the hope obviously is in Jesus the person mm-hmm. and what Jesus does and is doing. Because it says in Galatians, which we're pre- preaching on, I mean, the opening big part of, of Paul's gospel is that Jesus rescues us from this present evil age. Yeah. Now, this is a now thing. Yeah. This so isn't this just is a, a future thing. Right. So, so this grace that offers peace, is, there's a rescuing. Mm-hmm. And so for me, like, theologically, like, I know this... It's gonna, I don't have to go around my elbow to get to all this. I have become more and more a believer in church. Yeah. Like, like the gathered community who proclaims the gospel to me over and over and over again. Yeah. Because I am a fickle person. And, like, so I grew up in a world where, like, I need, you need to study your scriptures, which I agree yeah. with, and... But it was so personal. It was personal. Yeah. And I believe in a personal relationship with God. I believe that I need to study the scriptures. I believe I need to wrestle with them. But I don't think those. it's an initial... That's my initial way into the community of God. I think it's the thing that I'm pushed out of my Sunday experience into my scripture yeah. and into my life of prayer with my community. Yeah. Um, even when I'm opening that Bible, I'm not opening it for me. I'm opening it for my community, not as pastor. Just like I'm opening it and reading it, and that's going to impact the way I relate both to the world and to the people around me. Well, and if you just read the Bible yourself, and you're you're not, you do need to read it yourself. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I agree. But if um, outside of community, you you come to these places where when you, we hear people say "my God" and "my Jesus" right. and such things, which are always interesting statements, but. <clears throat> I think that's what you get when you just do it yourself. You you read, you layer your experience and your what you're looking for, and you and you can kind of create it and find it in a way. Right. Often, but if you if you are reading the Bible and working out what that means in a community, um, everybody's going to see a different. It's like it's like a fine diamond that everybody has a different angle at, and they see one facet and you see another, and and, and I feel like. I feel like scripture really is, is powerful when when multiple people are working it out together. And that can be really hard because they're different. No, I think it, it can be. I, mean, I think like, so one of, I mean, you like him better than I do, but I really like him, <laughs> Tim Keller. If you actually listen to Tim Keller's sermons and read his books, he's got like 10 points. Yeah. Oh, all, this, all, all great. Right. Because they're saying, like one trick ponies that they have they're like saying here's I've got these right. this set of things, things to offer you and look how it applies to this and this and this and this exactly. yeah. but the thing that's unique I mean what's special about that I think that really what the church is called into is that I mean I remember when you play sports and you're a serious athlete you don't say okay I'm going to take I'm going to work on all of these things 
and yeah. just keep it. Most of it is based on very few little things that you're working on, and you're practicing them. Yeah. And so, like, I guess I, when I think of my, when I go to church, I want to practice this. I, I want to be encouraged to practice the same things. Yeah. And to because I think hope is that when I begin to practice, I begin to see difference. Yeah. You can't start out seeing difference. No. Like, I know that Jesus is my hope. I know that the resurrection, now there's these sets in this present age, like, that I can do to follow him. And yeah. I will see a transformation. There will be a difference. Yeah. And so a lot of it, I think, change comes down to, do I believe I have a choice or don't I? Hmm. And what is God's action in my life? Yeah. So I kind of vacillate between I have volition and I live in Psalm 51, right? Like, where... Lord, you have to clean me. Yeah. You have to wash me out. And when you do these things, I'll tell everybody how you did it. Like, that's my volition. My volition is that God changed me. Here's how, you know, he did it, you know. At the same time, I have to choose. And Right. That's a tension that I, I struggle with, too, but I think you must keep. Is like, God's work in me gives me the ability to make choices. Yes. Um, and so then when, when I do make choices, I, I can look back and say, wow, that... That was a little bit outside of myself. Thank you, Lord. Right. But at the same time, yeah, you're... And, and, and the how that works is a mystery. Right. It, you know, work out your salvation with fear and trembling for it's God right. at work in you. Yeah. So what are the steps to change? I mean, I really think... my The ways I've changed is the more I've chosen to, to fall in love with Jesus. Yeah. Not to try to fix everything else. Yeah. And that, that's, I am much better husband, father, and pastor when I'm in love with Jesus, not when I'm trying to figure out how to be a better husband. Oh, gosh. Father and pastor. And isn't that always how it works? Even with, like, and just with, like, being a father. Like, great fatherhood doesn't come from trying to be a good father. Actually, trying to be a good father can lead you to really be a terrible one. Yeah. Um, it comes from love. Like, when you love this kid right. as you stumble through you'll you love them right um, and it's I mean I think I think it's clear in scripture that the, the highest calling of the of humanity is to love the Lord your God um, and then you know keeping the commandments is a byproduct of love right um, and it comes from it so it's like nurturing love yeah. Well, and I think that's probably the biggest mistake I've made as a pastor even helping people is, I mean, your nat- natural bent is to try to help them process through things, yeah. to help them have a different perspective, to see that from a biblical point of view. But it's not, maybe my first instinct isn't say, hey, maybe we should just talk about Jesus and, 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 and nurture and falling in love with him. And this other thing will work out. Like, yeah, we'll talk about it. But let's talk about Jesus a little bit. And, yeah. Uh, I think that's... Because that's how you change. I mean... Uh, yeah. It, 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 Jesus is very clear about it. Mm-hmm. He's the key to change. Not you figuring out how to change. Right. Yeah, I, the changed... The, the heart that loves God in Christ... Changes. Right? It, it And not, not like it... And, and that's and that's a process and that's time but it yeah. 
one thing I keep thinking about Henry Nouwen, like, I mean, he says a ton of amazing things. But really, Henry Nouwen's theme is just to love Jesus. Yeah. Like, he's in love with Jesus. He's not actually that brilliant. He's just in love with Jesus. Yeah. And I think that that's where good things come from. And it seems seems like a if you really get to the heart of the Bible, that's that's the goal. That's what we were created for. Right. Love, love the Lord our God. Right. Which you know, like I always tell people, if you don't ever do anything in Scripture, just do Hebrews ten twenty four and twenty five. You know, irritate each other towards love and good deeds, and don't forsake gathering together. You, yeah. If you stop engaging people and trying to help them love well, yeah. and you stop gathering, like you, you you're not going to change. No. Change will not happen. Absolutely true. I think that's good. I think we've got a podcast. There you go. I think we have a podcast. So uh, thanks for joining us, and we'll uh, see you. Yeah, looking forward to it.